And so I regressed her back to this lifetime she had in the 1970s, where she was um, uncovering this information before with another hypnotist, which is really fascinating. And pulling all this information, she eventually was called crazy and lobotomized. But what was really interesting was her hypnosis sessions with this other hypnotist, where during these sessions, she saw things like the Sphinx being built. And she saw that these extraterrestrials that were building the Sphinx didn't have bodies when they came to Earth to build the Sphinx, because you only need bodies as an extraterrestrial if you're interacting with humans and they weren't. And then that way they didn't have to get stuck on the planet and they could come and go as they wanted. So they built the Sphinx out of this very special rock. And you got to accentuate the positive. Wow! I feel good. You're listening to Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, accentuating the positive, showing you a way to a better life. Accentuating the positive, it's not just bad, it's sanity. Who in their right mind would accentuate anything else? Hello and welcome to another show, Accentuating the Positive with Karen Swain. As always, it's a blessing to be with you all. And please remember, if you're liking the show, share them with your friends, press that like button, send me a comment. If you're listening on audio, send me an email. If you have any questions or want to share some of your stories with me. And yeah, if you're liking the shows, you're always welcome to give me a donation. I've never asked for donations. I thought I would today. But I have the most delicious person to introduce you to today. And we're going to go down that rabbit hole into the past and into the future. Sarah Breskman Cosme, welcome to the show, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me. I hope I said you're not Bresk, Breskman Cosme. That's, yeah, you did a great job. Right. Very impressive. Where, where does that name come from, Breskman Cosme? Um, I'm Russian and Scottish. Oh, Cosme comes from, and then... On top of that, um, Spanish, my husband's um, Spanish. So Cosme is Spanish. Uh, your husband's Spanish. So that's his name. I just remembered. I forgot. That's his name. Let me plug my ears in. Um, and is Bresman your maiden name? That's, that's correct. Ah, and Russian. Were you born in the States? I was. I was born in the States, but my family comes from Russia and Scotland. But I'm basically just a big mutt <laughs> mixture all over. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Well, let me read your bio and tell people that are listening a little bit about you. So Sarah Bresman Cosme, Breskman Cosme, has always been passionate about helping others develop tools which allows them to overcome difficulties because she experienced many difficulties herself as a child and young adult, which we'll go into a bit later. In this pursuit, Sarah earned her bachelor's in psychology at Northern University in Boston and after graduating, worked as a counsellor in a halfway house for people labelled mentally ill and saw firsthand how the conventional treatments with medication and talk therapy was not that effective. As a result, Sarah pursued hypnotherapy, a therapy which allows someone to connect to their subconscious mind, enabling change and transformation to occur in their limiting belief programs, which can evoke 
disempowering and unwanted behaviours. Today, Sarah is a master hypnotist, a level three practitioner of the Dolores Cannon QHHT, which stands for Quantum Healing Technique, and a student of Dr. Brian Weiss. Weiss? Weiss. 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 <laughs> She's, um, who wrote the book Many many masters what what was his book called many lives many masters many lives many masters who you know he's he's quite famous because he was on oprah and all that sort of thing she's passionate about revealing hidden knowledge vital to the enlightenment of humanity sarah now assists in teaching with dolores cannon's daughter julia all over the world and she has assisted in egypt mount shasta peru as well as in miami She's a best-selling author of A Hypnotist's Journey to Atlantis and A Hypnotist's Journey to the Secrets of the Sphinx. (laughs) (laughs) Hence, for people watching on video, the Sphinx in my background. So we're going to chat about that today. We're going to explore a little bit of uh, Sarah's story, but I want to go into Atlantis, Lemuria, our origins, what we're all doing here, who we really are, and future potentials. Because there's just, you've just, from your clients, you've just gained so much information, like your pursuit of information paid off, right? (laughs) Definitely. It's amazing the work that I do. I find out so much and it's such amazing information that could help so many people. So that's why I'm really passionate about sharing it because people don't have access to this information. So when you receive the information from your clients, do you ask them to sign a release so that you can share their information, obviously without their name? That's a really good question. I actually don't use paying clients. I use people that we have an agreement. So we do a trade where, because this is what I do for fun, actually, writing these books and uncovering this information. I have clients that I've put under hypnosis many, many times. Mm -hmm. So they can go deeper each time. It's almost like working a muscle and I can find out anything with these clients and they can also ask questions and heal anything that they need to heal on their physical body. Okay. So the people that you get the information for the books are specifically picked for that. I mean, um, but wouldn't you also be receiving stuff from your clients that you're like, Ooh, Yeah. No, I was with the Atlantis book. That's when it first started because I didn't know that I was supposed to write a book. Oh, okay. And as I was getting information from this one client that I was working with a lot, this weird phenomenon started happening in my office where people that have never met one another or, you know, knew about this information, because how would they know? They didn't know what I was trying to find started recounting these same past lifetimes. And I thought it was a coincidence. So I would ask my friends, do you guys also get a lot of clients that regress back to um, Atlantis and Lemuria, you know, right before their downfalls? And everybody said, no, that's, that's, I'm not getting that. I thought this is really strange until it wasn't strange. It was obvious that I had to report on it. That I just love this because I was always fascinated with the way that when Dolores, you know, shared her clients' wisdom, how it seemed completely orchestrated that she would speak to Nostradamus, but not through one client, through a dozen clients. And like Nostradamus would just use um, that portal of the client to come through again and give more information. Or, yeah, I just thought, wow, this is so cool. Spirit's so clever. 
<laughs> it's so interesting because when you take a person to that level, you take them through regression hypnosis, and then you speak with their all-knowing higher consciousness, mm -hmm. that is connected to everyone's Everything. higher consciousness. Mm -hmm. So essentially you're tapping into universal consciousness and you can find out anything. And so you don't need the same client. I don't use the same client for my information. I mean, I use one and then use another one and use another one because I wanna make sure the information is valid yeah. and they don't know one another and they don't know what I've gotten from the other one. Yeah, yeah. Do, do you think that you have a specific puzzle piece in the information you're bringing through? I mean, Dolores seemed to bring through so much information, but she was definitely speaking to a, a puzzle piece, like a niche. What do you think yours is? That, that Oh, like the, my niche? You yeah, know, the guides I, are bringing through your clients. Oh, gosh, there's so many different guides. But what I've learned is that I am not in charge of it whatsoever. They, The guides have an agenda. Yeah. They figure out basically what they want to get across to humans now. Right. Is okay. what it seems like. And that's the information that comes to. I don't have to do anything. I do have to like kind of feel feel where it gets put together mm -hmm. as far as where it goes in what book, because there's so much information, but it's such a fun wild ride. Like I feel like an investigator. It's so exciting. Even Today, I was working with um, one of my subjects, you know, and just the stuff that comes out is so mind blowing. It's just unbelievable. So it's really fun, honestly. I know we're going to explore some of that mind blowing stuff. But let's let I'd like to sort of hear a little bit about your journey. What was happening for you to make you pursue healing? Well, I was you probably know these people. I was such a mess growing up. I always had so many problems. I was one of those people. I was overweight. I had all kinds of fears, phobias. I was always nervous and I couldn't really sleep at night. I had so many problems sleeping. And I even had OCD where I would open and close drawers and flick on and off light switches but I was a kid and I didn't know what was wrong with me. I didn't realize that I was just highly, highly sensitive. I would also see um, people that happened to have already died, but they didn't look like people that were dead. They looked like people to me. And I was just, I had so many problems and um, none of my problems seemed to get better when my parents put me in therapy. In fact, sometimes they seem to get worse because I also seem to have, have had this amazing talent where I could manifest anybody else's problem. So if somebody else had a problem and I thought about it enough, I could also get that problem. It was like, it's just a big total mess. And in therapy, it was really nice to talk to somebody, but like I said, it, I didn't feel like it got any better. Sometimes things would get worse, but I always had this feeling ever since I was little that I wanted to help other people. I, it was just one of the things that I knew about myself. When someone asked you, tell me about yourself, I would say, I want to help people. That was something just so ingrained in me. And so I thought I was going to become a psychologist. That was my goal. So I 
went to Northeastern University and I studied psychology with my goal being, I will become a psychologist because I had already experienced therapy and I definitely knew a lot about problems. I was very good experiencer with that. And uh, after I graduated college, before going to graduate school, I had an internship where my job was to basically give these people medications and counsel them with all the different techniques that I had learned and all the medications that I had to learn about. And I thought when I was in college that this was the leading edge of thought, that this worked. I was told it worked. And I was told all these medications work for these people. So I was super excited to help people. I thought I was going to help people. Within about a week of being there, I felt as if every single thing I learned in college was a complete lie. Everything. I, I was, I couldn't believe that this is all we had to help these people. I mean, these were people and they were considered, um, you know, schizophrenic if they talked to angels or extraterrestrials. They were considered people that needed to be heavily medicated if they had any kind of like psychic uh, experience. And I mean, granted, yes, there were some people that that definitely had some issues, but nobody got better. I never saw one person, not one success story, not one come in there, you know, do what we were told helps people and then leave. I never saw that. In fact, it was the opposite from my perspective. What I saw was that the pharmaceutical companies were testing these people. So they would use them as lab rats and they would have these wristbands and they would have to go for weekly tests to make sure they didn't die on some of these experimental medications that were supposed to quote unquote help them. So it didn't take me long to think, I think there's gotta be something else out there because I wanted to do something that helped people. My goal, you know, of course I wanted to make money, but that wasn't my real goal. And I thought I'm not gonna continue and go to graduate school. So I quit that and eventually I got into hypnosis. And I did past life regression because these were the things that you did back then. It was past life regression, lose weight and quit smoking. And it was amazing because right away I saw that past life regression worked. I always wanted to do something that worked that helped people. And I had a couple clients come in for a past life regression, which I was kind of skeptical, to be honest with you. They would come in and they would all of a sudden seem to remember a past life. And I wasn't even sure they really were, but they would heal themselves. And I thought, wow, this is incredible. There's something about this. And so I studied with Dr. Brian Weiss in New York, and then I started doing his method for quite a while. I stopped doing the um, lose weight and quit smoking, and I just did that for a while. And I... I really enjoyed it, but I had this feeling like there was just something in my life that was missing. It was just like this hole in my life that I just couldn't figure out. So one of my friends knew the psychic and I talked to the psychic and she said, this is the easiest reading I've ever done. <laughs> she said, you know, most people have future, different future potentials and there's a lot of different potentials, but she said with you, Sarah, this is the easiest reading you have one clear path and I can see it very clearly. She said, the reason you think you're missing something is because you're supposed to do Dolores Cannon's method 
you're going to get really good at that. You're going to work your way up and you're going to eventually teach it. And then you're going to be writing a ton of books and you're going to be speaking about it all over the world. And I thought to myself, she got me confused with the other person. Like she probably thinks I'm her other client or the other client that's coming after me because I don't know who Dolores Cannon is. I mean, that's a great story, I, but I don't write anything. So I just didn't think anything of it. Of course, I thanked her and everything. I thought that's so interesting. You know, that was a really nice reading. I didn't think anything of it. But then I, I looked into Dolores Cannon to see who this person was, because like I said, I didn't have that type of background. I wasn't a very spiritual you know, person because I didn't know much about spirituality. I just didn't have that um, exposure. And when I found out about Dolores, when I looked into her and started looking into what she taught, something really clicked within me. I thought, oh my gosh, this is what I've been looking for. And just like the psychic said, her name is Emma McIntosh, because people ask me, Emma McIntosh. <laughs> just like she said, I worked my way up from a level one to the top level. And then I started teaching with her daughter all around the world. And then I've been writing books ever since. And I'm actually speaking about them all, all over the place. So. It's been a wild ride and I still really can't honestly believe it. I don't really know, you know, how this all happened, but I guess I'm just following my path. <laughs> You're following the path. I know. I don't really know how it all happened. I know. Uh, it's well, it's, it's fantastic. Your, your story sounds so similar to mine. It's so funny. I always hear a bit of my own story and most people's stories, but you know, I, I, I like you, I wanted to help people and, um, didn't know how that looked until I did a naturopathy course, five years full-time study. And I left there thinking, I don't think I've actually learned anything that's going to help the world. I mean, not to negate naturopathy. I felt I, I, that it should be that that level of understanding of our health should be taught in school. But that's what we should learn in school. We should learn about our diet. We should learn about our body. We should learn those fundamental things. But I didn't feel like it was going to change the world you know, like getting on a diet or taking homeopathy or, you know, but um, yeah, so I kept pursuing, I kept asking what will change the world, what will change the world? Yeah. So wow. yeah, similar story. And um, interesting. yeah, as far as the QHHT, you know, Mary Rodwell and I've talked about this because you know who Mary Rodwell is, don't you? She's a famous hypnotist here in Australia. Her, right. her, her clients, do you know who she is? I've heard of her. Yeah, her clients are predominantly, you know, going back to their galactic lineage and talking about their aspects of selves that are, you know, doing wild things in the cosmos and why they're here on earth at this time for the shift and what they're here to do. And, you know, she's written books about it, one being the new human. But we've talked about because she's psychic, she doesn't talk about being psychic. She travels with the client. Like when she puts them under, she's completely aware of what they're seeing. And that's not something specifically taught in QHHT, but I'm sure you do that too, right? A little bit. I mean, I do try to keep my vibration high by going outside and doing different, you know, techniques so that I can be open, but I don't always see what the client is seeing. I'm not okay. like a very psychic person by any means whatsoever. 
Yeah, I remember Dolores always saying, I'm not psychic. I'm not psychic. Like she always used to say that, like, you know, I've got to stay in my logical mind and not be psychic. (laughs) But I think that as we're shifting to a new era, that's changing, especially for the practitioner. I think that the practitioner's psychic abilities are as important as the person, you know, accessing their own information because then you can help guide them because you become like their spirit guide embodied in a way, really when they get stuck, when they hit things that hit their emotional center and maybe they're stuck or whatever. But, okay, you go on. (laughs) No, I love that. I feel like we're all um, tapping into our abilities that we have forgotten about. Everybody is. Yeah. And it's more that you can access it more now than before. Yeah. I really believe there will be a day where we can all access that information without going to a hypnotist, you know. Oh, I'm sure. And that day is coming. Even just the fact that when I started in 2009, my clients would be mostly unconscious. They would be unconscious to the point where they would have to be woken up after the session for the majority of people going under to do a past life regression. But recently, I guess, I think it started around 2012, to be honest it seems like people are really merging with their higher self. So you can be in deeper states of hypnosis, but you can also feel very much wide awake and aware. So you're almost merging the two parts of your, your mind now. And it's really exciting because you can go further into this information than you could before. Yeah. How cool is that? Let's talk about the first book, Hypnotist's Journey to Atlantis. What was being revealed that turned into a book? Oh my gosh, it was so fascinating and such a fun journey and experience for me. I needed a client. This is how set up it was. It was so funny. I needed a client that I could regress and videotape for my level three class, the QHHT class that was all of a sudden in Orlando. Um, And so I just decided to ask Jen, who was my friend at the time. And I had known Jen for so many years, probably 10 years at that point because our kids were the same age and we would sit after school together and watch our kids play on the playground. She was a teacher at the kids' school. And so I knew her. I also knew she was not into spirituality at all because I was learning many things and I would sort of bring up some things and she was not into it whatsoever. You know, those friends. So I just didn't talk about it whatsoever, but I was put on the spot and needed a subject So for some reason, my first thought was to ask her, I still don't know why, if, you know, it's like, why not ask somebody that I knew was into this stuff. But when I told her what I did and I told her what I wanted to do with her and just use her video as a submission I would take to the class, she looked at me and said, I didn't know you did this because I've been looking for something like this. My jaw dropped to the floor I knew she knew I was a hypnotist and into spiritual things that were weird to her, but she was looking for something like this because she had been diagnosed with this brain condition called pseudotumor cerebri. And basically it was causing swelling in her brain and there was a huge risk of a stroke and it was really painful for her. She had these severe headaches and she was working really closely with this team of specialists at the University of Miami. And they said that there was absolutely no cure but she could stay on these heavy duty medications. So when I told her that she could heal herself in this session and she might find out about past lives, she was on board. 
She didn't care about the past lives. She was very on board. She was looking for some alternative to help her heal. So our first session was mind blowing to the both of us. Again, this is somebody who doesn't have a background in spirituality and she did not know much about Atlantis. She didn't know anything about Lemuria. So her first regression, she goes back to this past life as a queen in Lemuria, where it was a matriarchal society. It was a beautiful, compassionate society. She knew nothing about this previously. All different types of symbols, all different types of things that you see in Egypt. Um, so many different things that you know you just hear stories about. She recounted it in such great detail. And it was a beautiful place. She could even smell the flowers. She could hear the birds. She loved that place so much. She remembered like her balcony where she would see the ocean and just feel like just the compassion of the people and the love. She absolutely loved that place so much. And she saw that there were these visitors that started showing up and they wanted something from their society, but for some reason they couldn't give them what they wanted. And so they took her as a prisoner and were able to, within rifts in the ocean, set off these atomic-like devices that created these massive tidal waves that absolutely sunk the entire continent. But they took her as a prisoner and she lived for 60 years in Atlantis. And so through that experience, we were able to pull all her memories of Atlantis and Lemuria. And this is what was so fascinating to the both of us. When I asked to speak with our higher consciousness and asked what was the purpose of her, you know, pseudotumor cerebri, they said the purpose was to bring her to me because she needed to uncover and share this information with the world. So Absolutely. the next day, she felt so much better. She stopped taking her medication. She went back to her team of specialists and they said, this is impossible. We don't see anything. How did you heal yourself? And she said, well, I tried this new hypnotherapy technique. And they said, well, we'll just call it a medical miracle and leave it at that. So then we started working together and we started uncovering and this information. And because they said it was so important for the world to know now, I asked the higher consciousness, just start from the beginning, start from the beginning of where you want us to, you know, what do you want us to share with the world? So I thought she would go back to a child in Lemuria. That was just what I assumed, but no, she didn't go back to her child in, in Lemuria. She went back to the beginning when she was an extraterrestrial crash landing on earth for the very first time and uncovering all this information about the fact that that planet was running out of resources. They saw earth as a great place to colonize and a great place to, you know, get these resources that everything was dwindling and they really needed to come, you know, start seeding the population on earth and move their society basically here through the use of, you know, the hybrids. Anyway, we were a little surprised because Jen did not believe in aliens. And I thought, what is she going to think after the session? She had a much different 
idea about them, but I, I was a little worried when they started showing her that because I did kind of like want to get her background beforehand. And she said, no, she didn't believe in aliens. So anyway, that changed. So we uncovered all this information about extraterrestrials and what they're doing on earth. And then this, we started going into her lifetime in Lemuria and really that's when that really strange thing started happening that my office is flooded with people that had the same type of experience, or they would recount memories of being Atlantis during the final days, or they would recount crash landing their ship, their extraterrestrial ship. So I started just pulling together all this information. And then if I was going to use one of those, I would ask them, can I use your session? I've changed everybody's names too. And then I, Jen wrote her own book called Child of the Universe, which is her firsthand perspective of, of her experience. And then I put my information into Hypnotist Journey to Atlantis. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. I've got so many questions. So what I'm gleaning from what you're saying is that Atlantis and Lemuria existed, coexisted simultaneously in the same time frame on Earth. So Earth at some stage in our evolutionary journey was an enlightened planet where we didn't have the consciousness, the third dimensional consciousness we have today. But there was some outside force. Was that, were they extraterrestrials? Like who attacked? They were the Atlanteans. So the Atlanteans okay. had more technology because this is what this is what I got through these sessions. And and I don't really know what other people get because I okay. don't watch anybody else's YouTube or I've never I've actually never read Edgar Casey's material, which I should someday because oh, all right, okay. I, but I only get my information from my own session. So what I received was that there were many extraterrestrial crashes and, and that was intentional because it was a one-way mission to get them to set up these colonies. Although the extraterrestrials at the time were not aware that they would crash, but they were able to crash land. So many were able to survive. So there were many crash landings. And in the case of the founder of Atlantis, he was able to salvage some of the technology from his ship, not enough to call his planet of origin and not enough to set anything up where he was, but he was able to use that technology and go through what's called a chasm or a vortex, which are the stone circles that you see at Stonehenge. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's what they used to be used for was the ancient transport devices. And it would transport you somewhere on the earth. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. the founder of Atlantis was able to get this, whatever he had crystals that he found from the ship. He was able to use that. Go ahead. Can I, who was the founder of Atlantis? Is he, is he an extraterrestrial that landed on yes. earth? Right. Okay. He was an extraterrestrial that landed on earth. That's why Atlantis was so advanced mm -hmm. and it was built in the same um, model that they had on their own home planet. Okay. So there was a reason for Atlantis looking the way it, it did. And the reason for all that extraterrestrial um, technology, it was because the founder was extraterrestrial. Right. He just couldn't get back home. He couldn't get back to his home planet and he couldn't call them basically. So he set up. So after he went through the vortex, he ended up, he went through the vortex and he ended up where Atlantis is, was, was now. 
which was in, you know, in the Atlantic Ocean, basically. Mm -hmm. It's not there now, but um, so he's, he luckily found some technology left over from an earlier group of extraterrestrials. And he was able to use that to start building the city and create human hybrid slaves. And then he built this whole big Atlantis. That was how Atlantis started. Now, Lemuria started in a much different way. It was an extraterrestrial that crash landed and started breeding with the humans since there was nothing else they could do to kind of um, create these human hybrids. They started breeding with the, the humans and it didn't seem like any survived at first, except one did. And that one went on to share this, these genes with others and others, but there wasn't, they didn't have the same technology that Atlantis did. So the Lemurians became these beautiful people who were very advanced spiritually. And they were a matriarchal society because instinctually knowledge was passed from the mother to daughter. So a mother didn't have to teach her daughter information about plants or herbs or things like that. It would just be an instinct that was passed through the subconscious. And the ruling party were women. The leaders were the natural rulers because they had this stored knowledge and that was considered the most valuable. And it was a very fair society. As I listen to you speak about this society, I, even though it's in our past, it takes me into the future of where we can go. It's kind of like, you know, full circle, isn't it? Uh, Not not necessarily a matriarchal society, but, but more balanced, like not patriarchal, not matriarchal, like a balanced society, but just moving into that peace and love and intuitive way of living that you. That's why we're back because after those civilizations were destroyed, there was so much karma and so much trauma to account for that we all got together and we said, what are we going to do to make up for this? So we're, most of us are back now and most of us have had lifetimes back then. So we're here to bring this full circle because this is the time that they've been talking about for ages, you know, foretold and all those stories, because this is when we reunite again. And we bring that compassion back, that balance, because there's this light hitting the planet right now, this beautiful, divine, feminine light that's showing all the shadow so that we can rebalance it. Yeah. Uh, As I'm listening to you, the guides are saying, not most of us, all of you, (laughs) you're all back. (laughs) You're all back. You're all back. Yeah. Right. You can tell if you are, I mean, I feel like most people can tell if they are from, or well, many people have multiple lives in Lemuria and Atlantis, but people that feel more passionately about one or the other, you know, the, the, the first iPhone buyer, you know, and who loves technology, who's just so excited by new technology. Right. And then you have the person that loves herbs and, and, you know, playing music and eating a plant-based diet. They resonate sort of with different parts of that history I think yeah some both some yeah. both definitely. what I'm getting is I'm listening to you they're just like they're just downloading some information uh they're saying that um you know there are many people on the planet that have had uh you, you know multiple lives on in many different timelines on earth uh there are many starseeds on the planet that when they came into this 
to come into this time. Now they wanted to understand what is happening. So they incarnated or looked at that history and sort of understood the timelines. It's like, why is this happening now? Or because that happened and that happened and that happened. Oh, okay, I get it. And they're saying that anyone who's talking about Lemurian and Atlantis has been there and that they're also saying that many people that have never even heard of Lemurian Atlantis have also been there. They're also incarnated from that era, era and they're yeah. not even aware it existed. So it seems, right. like it, was a, it seems like it was a big, okay, as I'm asking, it seems like it was a big civilization, but they're saying, no, it wasn't as big as what's happening on the world today. But then you have to understand the multidimensional nature of the soul that there can be many people on the planet now that was one person in a past lifetime. That's true. It's so interesting how that works. Like if I ask about like a a famous person, like King Tut or something, he's in multiple people living lives now on, in, on this timeline and of course other timelines. It's so fascinating. Exactly. And I, I have met several people that has been me in a past lifetime during the time of Jesus and, oh, interesting. Uh, yeah. And so, you know, I've been identified as being this person, which I don't relate to at all, but I know that I've been male more than female. But, uh, and then I've spoken to other people that said that they were that same person. And I'm like, oh, cool. <laughs> it's like, you are me. I'm you. You are me. It's like, really cool. <laughs> well, yeah. And there's so many soul groups back again now to complete this. I mean, there's so many people that are here just for this. Right. And, and like you said, so many star seeds. Yeah. And it's, it's hard for some of them because they're just not used to the earth and violence upsets them so much. And they're so sensitive, mm-hmm. but they can use that sensitivity as a, you know, yeah. as a way of, you know, reading and like reading people and almost like a superpower. It's a superpower. It's definitely a superpower. Okay. So let's get back to the story. So Lemuria was a beautiful matriarchal peaceful society and then people that had uh, was were in Atlantis decided to infiltrate, and they wanted to um, take some of their technology. Well, what did they want from them? They wanted stuff from them. But you they know, just- it was so interesting because I thought to myself when when Jen was recounting her story and other clients were recounting theirs, I I just had that question: Why would some society that's super advanced want anything to do with a society that doesn't have any technology basically right all right yeah why why would they want something from them so apparently on on atlantis there was this really bad virus and what was interesting was i would have people go back to atlantis even from 2016 and they would see, you know, smog. And I thought the smog was from their technology, but it wasn't. It was because of this virus. They were burning the bodies. That was how they were getting rid, rid of the bodies. So there was a, a bad virus going on, but there were multiple viruses because they were doing so many different experiments and they were gene testing and all kinds of things in laboratories. So this wasn't uncommon, but this was a very deadly one. And they couldn't seem to find a cure. And they had been watching the Lemurians for quite a while. I guess they just knew since they had such advanced technology. They had these hover, they had extraterrestrial type uh, crafts that they used that were, you know, based with propulsion energy. And they could, 
they also have very interesting stealth technology where they could watch people and not be seen. So they were watching the Lemurians and they saw that they had this special immunity. So the, um, the Lemurians had immunity. They would still experience pain with childbirth and, and pain, but no one got sick. There were, there were no viruses there. And the reason was they were very protected. They were given a gift from their star ancestors. And they had these special red crystals that they used that kind of gave them the way they were strategically placed and everything and had this ability to provide immunity for them. So, and they use these crystals for many different things, but one of their, one of the purposes was these, this immunity. So the Atlanteans were able to figure this out and they demanded, you know, to have this immunity. So at first they pretended to be the Lemurians friends. They made themselves known. They, you know, acted as friends. They, they said, you know, we, we would like to, you know, help one another, but can you help us? We have this really bad virus. And the Lemurians could not give them this immunity. It was a gift from the star people. And they would not give them the red crystals because when they went into meditation to speak with their star ancestors, the answer was definitely don't give these people these crystals. So the Lemurians hid them away as soon as they heard that. And the Atlanteans got angrier and angrier as the people continued to pass over there in Atlantis. And finally, that's when they demanded, look, give us the crystals or we'll destroy your civilization. And the Lemurians thought their numbers were greater because they had this huge army. They had a huge army in Lemuria and they just couldn't believe that the Atlanteans would be able to defeat them if they were ever to go to war. But that is what they did. They took, um, well, you know, they took Jen as a prisoner, according to Jen's past life, and destroyed the civilization. And I can't tell you how many um, clients I've had recounting that great wave. I mean, some people still have these phobias and fears of these big waves, and they don't really realize that it might actually come from that. Oh, wow. Okay. So, Lemuria was destroyed, obviously, before Atlantis. Mm -hmm. But what I'm getting is that um, so the Atlanteans had this technology to wipe out Lemuria, but with, with Atlantis being destroyed, it was because that their lust for power had become out of control. And so the progenitors, the beings, the cosmic council or whoever was like overseeing this world decided, okay, you guys are not getting with the program and they kind of exactly wiped out, right. That's exactly what happened because there was no balance whatsoever in their society. So basically what ended up happening where there were many different experiments, I mean, throughout Atlantis, but one of the big things that started happening that sort of set their society over the edge was they had this, um, I, you would call it a vaccine, but it was a slit in the arm where this genetic material was placed in and then like a putty-like substance over top. And it was a mandatory vaccine and everybody received the vaccine, um, but God. it was made with animal DNA. And so it seemed like a huge success at first and people started, you know, being able to go on with their lives. And everybody was so excited that it seemed as if, you know, we could live again. 
And it wasn't until the first set of babies started being born with this horrific side effect that they realized, whoa, there's a problem with this vaccine. Wow. I mean, before that, they had had many different experiments that people would be a part of and many different what you would call vaccines. Of course, it's different because the the way that it was made and everything like that. But these these um, children were born with these side effects where they were almost like looked very animalistic. So they would have different animal parts. There were a lot of like cat-like features to some of the children. And there were, you know, different like tails, um, gills sometimes. You can still see this side effect running, running like very lightly in our genes even today. There's people still born with gills or tail, extra nipples and everything like that. So what was happening was these children were being told, these children were told, the parents were told, that they would be taken to this special island and they would be given resources and things like that. But that was a lie. They were actually being killed because they didn't want anyone to tell the tale. And they, they at the time, there was a very large judgmental group during that time. But what they started to realize later on was that these children that were affected by the vaccine's side effects had very special abilities. And if you, if you look at side effects today, if you look at autism or even the savants, you can see that there are special abilities that have come out of side effects. So the same thing, you know, we were just repeating history so many times, but anyway, so they had very special abilities where these children with side effects could actually tap into ley lines. They could tap into information all around them. They could create this special energy within their mind. They could focus on something, levitate it. They had so many different special abilities. And there's many people that are, um, still have those abilities actually. Um, so anyway, so after they stopped killing these children, they started testing them because they had these special abilities and they started harnessing this energy. That was just towards the final days. But there were groups of some of these children that did escape that went to Egypt and started creating different things based on their abilities. And some of those are, you can still see today in Egypt. Oh. Wow, this story just gets better and better. Talk about history repeating itself. Um, okay, so when Atlantis was, oh, wow, the most massive flock of white cockatoos just went past. My <laughs> <laughs> and I live in the city on a street, on a suburban street. Anyway, that was just wild. Hello. Wow. Um, okay, where was I? So when Atlantis was destroyed, obviously not everyone died. And uh, there is still genetic makeup in people that did survive from that era in, a, in humans today. Like, because is that right? Is, yeah. Right. Oh, oh definitely. Right. Not everyone um, passed in Atlantis. Uh -huh. And many people, because uh, where Atlantis was, it was very close to North America. And it was... Um, well, the, it was very close to Egypt as well, because the continent looks so different. When people would pass from their lifetime, I'd always get them to look down and look at the, at the world and everything looks so different. There were water, water and coastlines look so different. The, um, the Western, yeah, it was Western Africa was a lone sandbar 
that traveled to the Sphinx. <laughs> so it was really interesting. Because everything looks so different um, than it does today. But there were many survivors, not many, but there were survivors there that were survivors. then greeted with other people and not that much of their technology was salvaged for a reason because they were too out of balance. So it was almost, it was a reset of their civilization. And that happens periodically throughout history when things are too imbalanced. Yeah. Uh, and the, we're at that precipice right now on planet Earth. Yeah, we're, we're back. We're back. <laughs> we're back. <laughs> we're but back. see, the, the thing is that I've heard in sessions is that it's, it's actually very exciting where we are right now because humanity doesn't evolve like like straight a straight line you know it doesn't just go keep going up it goes in cycles so we're back wow. right now but that means we, we're making a huge jump forward mm -hmm. so this is really exciting and i've heard we don't need to reset our civilization that there's been so much work and there's been so many star seeds placed on the planet so that we will make it this time we will do this jump like we're supposed to do and this world this earth will rebalance itself it doesn't look like it when you look on the news and there's a lot of chaos going on right now but the end result will be beautiful they say it's like labor pains like a woman giving birth that it's it's horrible for a while but something beautiful comes out of it and that's what they keep saying they keep saying just hold on hold on this is going to be amazing just hold on well, you know, lately on the show, we've been exploring, I had this amazing woman on the show, Dolly, who, Saffron, who is um, an extraterrestrial contactee, and and she has full conscious recall of all her experiences with her Star Nation family. She doesn't need to go into hypnosis. She's got full recall. And uh, and she she flies the ships, and she says that her job is, like, when the solar flash wipes out, you know, takes humanity back to the Stone Age, um, her job is to come with all the ships and pick up humanity to take them off planet to a new world. So that's her timeline, which I've heard before. There's like, I've heard that story before. Uh, what, what do you think? What's coming through your clients about, about that? Because there's a few you know, different timelines. Mm -hmm. It's so interesting because like I said, I don't watch other people's YouTube or anything like that because I, I don't have time. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and I was curious um, because people have asked me about the solar flash. Mm -hmm. So what I received through clients was a lot of people remember a solar flash that we've experienced before on a different planet because there were, I mean, we're always extraterrestrials and I call them we, because essentially we are <laughs> extraterrestrials. We're always trying to do things a little bit better each time. And there was a solar flash on um, one of the earth-like planets and it, everybody evolves too quickly. And so the higher consciousness have said they would like it to be a slow progression, you know, just not as quick as it was on that planet, because it just went from, you know, where people were striving for perfection and individuality. And it's, it went from that to being so evolved, you no longer needed to eat in a flash. And that was just too quick. So they've said they would like earth to slowly progress, you know, this time. So I haven't received anything of a quick solar flash. I haven't through clients. Maybe it would happen, but I haven't received that. I have received that there, 
that there is somewhat of a solar flash, but it's very slow. There's a lot of different solar um, energy hitting the planet and this it's bringing information and bringing light, but very gradually. I've just been hearing that this is a very gradual process. They want to take things slowly with us for this experiment. Mm. Yeah, I've heard that too. I mean, I've heard, you know, I've been doing this for a while, so I've heard many different stories and, uh, and I've chatted to the guides about it and they just keep saying, you know, what are you choosing? What timeline are you aligning to? Aligning to? Like we talked about how the soul is so multidimensional. There are multiple parallel realities as well that you can align to and experience depending on what you choose, what you choose, what De you choose. Definitely, you choose. because it's so interesting because we each we're each creator beings we're that powerful so if you take away our filter everything is like we're we're creating it with our the filter of our eyes everything is like the dark muddy gray actually that's what reality looks like they've said and because we create what we want it to look like our purple will look different than somebody else's purple. So our reality is literally our own recreated reality. It's like a hologram universe. Right. And um, I love saying this because I, I love it that the extraterrestrials keep honing this point to everybody, but they say the truth of the universe is that this life is just a game and that this game has been going on for longer than human beings can comprehend in the aspect of time because we keep traveling to different planets and we see them and we experience our life cycles. And then we go to other planets. There isn't any death at all whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And we just continuously do this. So if you think about it like that, nothing could ever harm you ever. You're right. always alive. You're always continuously doing this, but this is just a game and an experience, you know, yeah. and you're basically creating your own, but we have shared creations. And that's what happens to a lot of people as we, we fall into the trap that what other people say is true is true when it doesn't have to be true at all. You can live in the fairy realm if you wanted to, and you literally could. Yeah. It, well, it's true for the person who's saying it and it is their yeah. truth and a truth and their truth. Like what we do as humans is we say, oh, that's not true. Meaning that's not true for everybody, but it's, true for them like dolly's that is her timeline that is her truth after i had that conversation with dolly I, i'm big sort of like streamer at night you know try to i try to turn off from the conversations i have during the day i end up having more of them as i watch streaming stuff at night i watched all this stuff about time travel and future time and people going back in time and when they change something they came back into their time and things were different and i'm like oh my god this is exactly what dolly, <laughs> the guides are talking about with timelines and different parallel timelines and realities and universes and yeah so yeah that's her truth it's what is true for one person doesn't necessarily is your truth because what are you choosing as your truth what are you choosing as your truth yeah and I think we were supposed to learn that through the whole COVID experience that right. you could literally be around somebody that has a totally different truth but it would literally be true for them right right oh god i just had that conversation yesterday with somebody who just came over their truth is very different to my truth yeah very different and yeah what you create your reality right what you believe you create what you believe so if you believe you're in danger you're in danger if you believe you're not in danger you're not in danger right exactly 
Wow. Well, I thought I had this one example and I hope I, I don't, it's not bad to use this example, but I had this mother that came in because she was really upset about her daughter, um, getting the, can I say that word? The, all right. I'm just using this as an example because it was really interesting. So she got the, the vaccine back in the day. Um, and she was, she was upset about that because her truth was that this was harmful. So I asked her subconscious, her higher self, you know, um, what should this mother do about that? Is her daughter going to be okay? And her higher self said, of course, her daughter has a different reality. In her reality, that was very beneficial to her. So she should love that decision. And it will be a great decision, but in the mother's reality, it's a totally different reality. And she is hundred percent correct in her reality as well. And I said, how is that possible? <laughs> how can there be two different truths? And they said, this is an experience for everyone to see that you are literally creating your own reality. But that, that's just perfect. Cause that, that's exactly what we're being shown in a very visceral, real way. So I was at a dinner party, for a better word, at somebody's place for dinner the other night having this conversation because they have a different reality to me. And then I kind of came out and I told them my reality and they said, well, why do you think this? And I told them why I think this. And they're like, uh-huh, uh-huh, it's not their reality, but they're willing to listen. And But what they were saying is that, you know, this conversation has divided the world. And I said, actually, it's united the world. Well, how do you see it uniting the world? Because we're all in this together. We might be arguing about who's right or wrong, but it's all one topic. It's actually uniting the world. So we can see it any way we want to see it. Some people say it's dividing the world. Some people say it's uniting the world. But it is showing the world something. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I love what you just said. That's, that's <laughs> perfect. Yes. I love yeah. that. It's, it's all how you perceive it it's all what you want to create what are you choosing yeah you can see it as division you can see it as uniting yeah what do you choose what, what do you choose all right I, I want to get in oh my god Sarah I could talk to you it's 10 10 I could talk to you all day but I want to get into the sphinx because wow you are fascinating this is fascinating loving this conversation so that was book one if you want to know more about it read the book <laughs> There's obviously a lot more information. Just journey to the secrets of the Sphinx. Let's talk about how this book came about. So again, I was using Jen as my main subject because obviously she's such a star subject who would any hypnotist would dream of working with her. And so I regressed her back to this lifetime she had in the 1970s where she was um, uncovering this information before with another hypnotist, which is really fascinating and pulling all this information. She eventually was called crazy and lobotomized. But what was really interesting was her hypnosis sessions with this other hypnotist where during these sessions, she saw things like the Sphinx being built. And she saw that these extraterrestrials that were building the Sphinx didn't have bodies when they came to earth to build the Sphinx because you only need bodies as an extraterrestrial if you're interacting with humans and they weren't. And then that way they didn't have to get stuck on the planet and they could come and go as they wanted. So they built the Sphinx out of this very special rock. And this rock was used to harness and magnetize and hold energy. 
and it would hold information like a time capsule and it would also broadcast it out to different planets. So that is why they use the special rock to build the Sphinx on. Most of the time was spent digging the underground tunnels underneath the Sphinx. The Sphinx like facade took the least amount of time and it was like a jungle cat looking uh, face because that was the apex predator in the area. And it was meant to create this almost like enigma for people when they stared at it, like a cat watching them, so to speak. Um, and so the Sphinx records and broadcasts every single thing that has happened, our actual true history. And it keeps tabs on us so that the other planets that are watching us and guarding us can keep track of our progress because everything humanity does affects the whole universe because essentially we're all one we're just the ones that don't really realize this <laughs> but every little thing you do affects counterparts of you so if you think about like the gray aliens for most people those are the future versions of themselves although that seems to switch according to what um, timeline you're focused on. If you're focused on more natural, um, holistic, spiritual timeline, it seems to be Arcturian. That would be the future version of yourself. But if you, <laughs> this is what I hear in sessions. So you can have counterparts of yourself also living a full life on a different planet and be extremely evolved at this time. So they keep tabs on, on themselves, which is you. <laughs> and one of the ways to keep tabs on all of humanity is through things like the Sphinx. So it's a, like a information energy vortex transmitter, something, I don't know. It is. I, yeah. But you uh, can connect with your home plan or where you feel most resident you know where you resident resonate mostly with by connecting with the sphinx because you can also it's like a really quick way to communicate with your home planet Ooh, they're just giving me a stack of information i'm listening to sarah i can't listen to you now i'll listen to you they're just giving me a whole stack of information about about uh, egyptian gods depicted as animal figure like kesmet and a whole and they're just saying they understood this. They taught this in the mystery schools and blah, blah, blah. They're just giving me all this information. But surely there would be more than one uh, transmitter of this. Oh, on the, definitely. On the, so the Sphinx is not, not the only thing. Right, right, right. Not the only. Right, right yeah. It's uh, just the one, the one of the most iconic, but they're right. all over. Some have been eroded and there's many Sphinx-like structures and other planets. Many of my clients that have been to um, what the, a lot of people consider the home planet, because there's many home planets, has like the structure that also broadcasts back to the Sphinx. Mm -hmm. And it looks like it's uh, has these spires, like these squiggly lines coming up from it is what my clients talk about when they see this other planet. But they're all over it's and humans are also antennas so i mean it's all connected it's all the same it's all symbolism everywhere you look but we're also the antenna as well but here's another antenna that was more um 
Okay. Oh, just getting so much more information flooding in antenna, antenna. So I was just sharing with you before we went live that, you know, my hair had fallen out and, and uh, another friend of mine, a galactic goddess, uh, asked her guides about it and said that your hair is your antenna. And as you lose hair and grow back new hair, it has a different quality of receiving and so you can receive higher different frequencies, right? And and oh, oh my God. Are you getting chills? And as, as I think about the Sphinx and the lion beings, and you think about lions and you think about their mane, and I know that um, I've been told by the guides that the Sphinx used to have a lion head and then some yeah. pharaoh thought that it would be nice to put his head on the Sphinx and turned it into the, what we see today. But there is all this hair on a lion, right? And you're talking about antenna. And I'm like thinking, wow, the puzzle pieces are just falling into place right now. Wow, that is so incredible. So I wonder, because a lot of people are experiencing that after COVID. Right. And I've heard that COVID really um, helped a lot of people um, with... um, what's that word where uh new um upgrades upgrade new DNA upgrades. upgrade yeah so that sort of makes sense that that is happening and right. with the, the face of the sphinx changing according to clients it was symbolic because there's so much symbolism in the world it was symbolic of the takeover of the divine not the divine but the masculine power control and greed and the imbalance and the crushing of the divine feminine was symbolic of this changing of the face where it was like no longer about you know the actual face now it was the face of who you know has the most power the pharaoh yeah 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 the hierarchical face of some dude who reckons they're in power and controlling everybody (laughs) right yeah exactly humans god Mm -hmm. Okay, so there's more to this story, the secrets. So what are the secrets? Because I heard you with Regina because you've been on Gaia with Regina Meredith and um, uh, you did an amazing job with, you know, sharing the story there. But I'm finding out so much more from this conversation today. I'm loving it. And anyway, uh, there was, they built tunnels underneath the space. Do you want to talk about what's going on underneath? Oh, sure. Yeah, they built tunnels underneath but one of the I mean there were so many different reasons for the tunnels underneath there were many different extraterrestrial groups that would use the tunnels underneath there's I mean there's so many different reasons for it but one of the reason another reason was because of the ice age the extraterrestrial seeding the planet didn't want to lose the population that they had cultivated and you know it took such a long time to get these people to where they were so instead of losing them all as the planet was going through a cool down process, they helped these people create these underground tunnels and they lived in these underground tunnels and cave systems until the ice receded. That was another reason. And then also the tunnels are meeting places for different groups of extraterrestrials to share ideas and to check on the soil and to check on humanity and things like that. And there's also bases on the underground tunnels. There was many different purposes for the underground tunnels and are the underground tunnels and the basis nefarious or it it depends there's definitely nefarious underground tunnels and bases Uh where there's a lot of experimentation going on and Uh human trafficking and transport of illegal arms and things like that 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, you were talking about that happening in Atlantis. That's happening so much now. I mean, some of the, you know, we hear about the atrocities during the in the camps during the Second World War and how scientists were experimenting on the Jews and stuff like that. And none of that stopped. It's just covert. It's just that we're not hearing about yeah. it, right? They're still doing right. hideous sort of experiments on, you know, genetic. Yeah, they're still. They're which is, still doing many experiments. Right. Yeah. Terrible ones. And that'll probably all come out as well as um, as the light is revealing. My guides have said to me, the guides have said to me, uh, you know, if you're going to clean up planet Earth, you have to see where the dirt is. It's um, They used it like a, a dirty house. They say, you know, you're living in a dirty house. If you dim the light, you can't see the dirt. But if you turn the light up, you can see where the dirt is and then you can clean it up. And that's the analogy they gave me for planet Earth. Well, that's uh, what's happening even within our own selves. We're, we're exactly shining this light not only on all but ourselves as well. I mean, because nobody is perfect. <laughs> Everybody's right. got a shadow. Right. Yeah. We, on it. We've, all, we've all got work to do. Yeah. We're all <laughs> holding a lot of density. And I, I think that the star, the light workers, you know, the light weavers elected to come into family that are holding many generations of, you know, density and collective thought form. And they've come into chaotic, dysfunctional, horrible families. Mine was one of them. And uh, specifically to clean up the genetic DNA on your own being so that, you know, we can move into a more enlightened society. Yeah. Less trauma. It's so hard for these light workers for these stars because of things like that because they come in and they wonder why did I get placed in that family that's yeah. so different than I am but a lot of times they find out it's because they volunteered to help clean up the trauma of that family and all the genetic line that they're here to do that in this lifetime yeah exactly and on top of it I'm just thinking about, you know, Sheila Seppi's putting on a hybrid conference and she had my photo on the hybrid conference and she said, oh, sorry, I meant to put you in the Lightworker conference, not the hybrid conference. And I'm like, <laughs> no, I'm definitely a hybrid because the star seeds who come in have like tweaked their own DNA to be more psychic, more empathic, more open. And then with that hybridization in their own physical DNA, they come into this family that is like fraught with drama and now they're like have this heightened sensitivity and they're like they're they're freaking out they're suffering yeah but they don't have to suffer yeah. as you say sensitivity is our superpower mm. yeah it's it's hard when you aren't really aware that you're one of these you know beings or that you're yeah. here for that purpose it's it's different you think what what am i doing here why right now with all this chaos and it can be really difficult because a lot of and light workers, they don't want to be around people because they're so sensitive to energy mm-hmm. and it's hard for them to maneuver mm-hmm. since they're not really used to this earth. So yeah, yeah, my connection's unstable. Yeah, it is a bit. <laughs> <laughs> so is there anything, any other secrets we need to know about the Sphinx before we go? I'm just loving this conversation. This is just so cool. Well, I mean, there's just so much, so many secrets about history and about human, and really, it's really up to each person to really look inside and they each believe, you know, and it's time to really go into yourself and find out who you are 
Right. You're one of these light workers or see if you're here to help your family line, just get curious about yourself and continuously ask questions and try your best, you know, to continue to raise your vibration and connect with like-minded people. <laughs> yeah, I think that's important to connect with like-minded people, not all the time, but yeah, to just come together and just be in each other's energy field. Uh, a, a friend of mine, I've got a friend staying with me at the moment. He's in between houses and he was staying at another friend of his house's, house last week who is, is well and truly in the matrix, very wealthy, but just well and truly in the matrix, like just thinks that anything we've been taught, you know, would listen to this conversation and think that we were completely insane. Anyone that believes in anything psychic or extraterrestrial is insane according to their paradigm right we create our own reality anyway so we had a little bit of a gathering in their house david was saying that you know we kind of put we brought all that energy into their environment and sort of shifted the environment in their house because they talk about politics and they talk about the you know isn't it terrible this politician says that you know this is their conversation and we're in their house talking about extraterrestrials and <laughs> an ascension <laughs> it would have shifted the energetic matrix of their house but it's so important yeah to come together to to nurture each other's energy fields that are on that same wavelength and then go back out into the world into your families and into your you know work environment feeling enriched and stronger for it don't you think oh definitely definitely i love that yeah oh darling one it's been so wonderful to speak with you it's been really beautiful i'd love to do this again and invite you to meet our little online tribe and i'll introduce you to sheila too you might like to talk to her tribe uh from the wish alliance and uh, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and i'm sure there's a lot more in the books if people want to get the books i'll have the links on my my amazon links on my um website page if you want to buy the books through them or you can go straight to sarah's uh website what's your website what is your website the holistic the holistic hypnotist.com the holistic holistic hypnotist.com beautiful thanks again hon. thank you Oh, wow. I was just chatting with Sarah then. Her internet was very unstable. It was time to finish. The guides were saying, let the girl go. Let her get back to her family. <laughs> Don't keep her there forever, quizzing her and asking her questions. So they just made the internet go unstable. I said, yep, time to finish. Because I could have. I just found that fascinating. I hope you did too. I just, I was just saying to her, just all that information just lit me up inside. Um, Obviously, I've got something to do with the whole story. I was there and everything. I don't remember, obviously. But, uh, yeah, I found it fascinating. What did you think? Did you find that fascinating? Do you think you're a part of the Lemurian Atlantic story as well? Do you think you're back to create a different new timeline or different new uh, to create a different experience here on planet Earth, one where we don't need to be destroyed? We don't need a supernova to destroy the planet or our technology. She says that we're evolving slowly. We're going to evolve slowly rather than fast. I don't know. There's so many stories out there, isn't there? Um, there's people talking about the event, the event, the event where some big solar energy, um, light packet of energy is going to hit the planet and everyone's going to wake up spontaneously. Maybe on some earth. 
Is it going to be the one we're living? Or is it going to be a slow evolution where we get with the program and start to love each other and, and work with each other and in collaboration instead of competition? You know, I was just telling Sarah, I loved what I did yesterday. I was with Sheila Seppi and the Wish Alliance for the Conscious Awakening Conversations that we're doing. And we simulcast uh, live on three YouTube channels yesterday. I loved that on Portal to Ascension, uh, Neil Gore's um, YouTube, Portal to Ascension, Alan Steinfeld's New Realities and mine, all simulcast. And then Facebook in the Wish Alliance group and my group, Awakening Empowerment Network, and then on my Facebook page. And it was the information was just blasting out to all these different portals. I just thought that was so cool. I just thought that was so cool. So I asked Sarah to come back and ch chat to us and to do that and, uh, and talk more about. She's writing book number three. She's in the middle of writing book number three, delving deeper down the rabbit hole into all this information coming from clients. And uh, uh, so that'll be fascinating to talk. So we can talk more about it. But yeah, would you like to meet Sarah and quiz her and what, the information that she's bringing through i'm sure you would so i'm going to organize that with her i don't know when we haven't set a date probably towards the end of the year it might even be next year now okay towards the end of the year and um we'll blast that out on all the do a live and you can ask questions or you can join us on zoom and and we'll do a live but you you'll have access to talking to her i'll do it with sheila so we can both co-host um so we can speak to a wide audience That'd be fun. Wouldn't that be fun? I'm excited. I'm excited. I think that'd be so much fun. I just love talking to Sarah. She was just great. Loved it. I saw her talking to Regina Meredith and um, had a bit of, her and I had a bit of a chat about that. Um, Regina seems to be so researched and so she seems to know the answers to the questions that she's asking her. So she asks the question and then she answers the question before. <laughs> and I'm thinking sometimes it's just best to turn up unresearched so that the questions that you ask are genuine, like you don't know the answers to them, so that you actually listen to the answers. But uh, uh, yeah, Regina was loving Sarah as well. She had her on the show several times. She was just loving the information that was coming through. And um, I, I, yeah, same. I just like, yeah, loved it. Loved talking. And Sarah's so easy to talk to and um, just wonderful. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed that. And um yeah, check out her books. The books sound fascinating. As I say, I'll have the links to the affiliate links on the web page, which will be a link under this conversation. If you want to use our links and you can donate to the shows that way, a couple of cents goes to me. Rarely happens, but, you know, I don't do this to raise money. I do it to raise consciousness. <laughs> That's the whole point of these conversations. Mm. And I'll love you and leave you. Who's coming up in the in the in a sanctum with the consciousness awakening conversations with Sheila, which is a Monday night in the States, Tuesday mid-morning, perfect time for me in Australia. We've got a friend of mine, um, the gorgeous Rachel Burns, who is Dragon Energy, Galactic Light Codes. She's coming up. She's been in the inner sanctum recently, which is on my channel. If you want to join, go to the Wish Alliance and sign up. And you can join us live on Zoom. And there will also be streaming. So we will be live streaming, simulcasting on a few platforms next Monday night, US time Tuesday with uh, Rachel. And then the next guest that I had, I had booked in Courtney Beck, but she emailed me last night to say that she's out in the country and they haven't got an internet 
uh, hooked up yet that will be strong enough to support a Zoom, so she might need to cancel. I asked Sarah if she could do it, but she couldn't do it. But I wanted to find galactic goddesses from down under. I wanted to find Aussies to showcase in the Wish Alliance because it's a predominantly American audience um, to bring the Aussie flavour into the American audience. So I'll have to look for somebody else. I've got a few people in mind, but I was excited to speak to Court. I've had Courtney Beck on the show a few times. She channels, she's channeled a book all about Atlantis, actually. I'm going to make her go to somebody's place and use somebody else's internet because I'd really love Courtney to come. Anyway, I can't make anybody do anything, but I'd love her to be. So that would be the last, that'll be the 30, 30th of May, 31st here, 30th in the but next month in the inner sanctum, I don't know, who's coming up? Who have I got booked in? We had Michael Tamora the other day. Check out that. Michael, you've got to check out Michael. He's just such a beautiful spiritual master. Worth listening to that replay uh, going back. It was worth listening to every everything that comes out of Michael's mouth. Honestly, he's such a he's such a beautiful spiritual master here on earth who uh, I was talking with a friend that knows him, who has been many amazing people in the past, including one of the people that created the Declaration of Independence. Uh, yeah, he's been many famous people in his past lives. <laughs> I won't tell you about them. It's not important. It's about who he is now. I tell you who's coming up next month. Jill Stein. Jill came on the show last year. She's a parental medium. So she speaks to the incoming souls. So predominantly women who are pregnant or families, husbands and wives, or couples, doesn't have to be male and female, come who are um, having a baby or getting a baby in some way, um, to speak to the soul of the baby and to prepare. Like, who are you? What do you, what do you how do you want us to parent you? Uh, what are you coming in with? Yeah, so I found that conversation fascinating. Uh, She's very good at that and she's a healer as well but she's also a dragon master another dragon master like rachel so we've got the dragon energy the dragon energy um so we'll um she's traveled to africa working with the dragon energies to heal the land of the density from human dramas um which she talked about in depth on the show but yeah so we're going to have jill if you want to come and meet jill join the inner sanctum as i say just go to karenswain.com slash inner sanctum and put your pop your email in there and again, you can, I'll send you an email with the Zoom link and you can join us live on Zoom to digitally meet people in the digital flesh <laughs> or you can listen live streaming. But it's nice to have a bit of a community to all chat with. So yeah, that's Jill coming up next month. And um, July, who have we got? Claudia Edge, Kimberly Meredith, Marina Seren, Robert Schwartz and Jasmine are other people that I've got booked in until the end of the year. So yeah, this is an ex exciting time. Anyway, I'm going to go. Thanks again for listening and watching and sharing the show, telling people about it. Loved that conversation. And remember to check out the book Awakened by Death if you haven't already. Big love to you all. Bye for now.